April is a month where we lift up vision for our church for the next year and we ask our church family to be purposeful in thinking about the commitment that they like to make for next year. So April 30th is what we call Commitment Sunday when we'd like to have every person turn in a pledge card, no matter how big or small, to show their support for, for Woodmont's ministries in this coming year. So your pledge cards that you turn in help us greatly to plan for next year's ministries, to plan for cost of living increases for the staff, or hiring new staff, or maintaining our facilities, keeping our facilities beautiful, to responding to ministry needs that come up um, next year, the ones we know about, the ones we know that are gonna come, but also the ones we don't know about, but just come. And so the leaders of our stewardship campaign, LA and Martha Galen, will be pleased to know that the history of having a time where we ask for a commitment has a long and storied history going all the way back to the Apostle Paul. And so we saw some of that in our scripture reading this morning. Because I know what you're thinking. You are thinking that Paul's letter to the Corinthians are just about Christian love being the biggest and the best spiritual gifts that there are practiced by the church. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, it's one we've heard at every wedding, three things remain, faith and hope and love, but the greatest of these is what? Love, right. And so there's an argument to be made, I've actually heard this argument made, that 1 and 2 Corinthians is really just a very long, well-written fundraising letter. So I'm gonna tell you about that here in a second, why, why I think it might be that. Honestly, it is about love, but you'll see in a second how the two are tied together. So, so that's why Paul talks so much about spiritual gifts and about love, because in the end, he's going to ask one of the wealthiest churches from one of the most prosperous port cities in the Mediterranean to come to the aid of some people desperately needing ministry in the birthplace of Christianity in Jerusalem. And so in the first century, like in the 21st century, life-changing ministry is all about people who have been generously gifted by God, sharing those gifts with others. And so that's what I wanna encourage you with this morning. I believe that this church is doing incredibly important kingdom ministry and that we have been placed strategically by God to do ministry on one of the most visible corners, on one of the busiest intersections, right, in Nashville. And that we all have an essential part to play in that ministry. And if we've learned nothing from our church's last month of ministry together, it is that it is all hands on deck. Amen, everybody? All hands on deck as we show love, as we show the love of Christ to people who have lost everything and are looking for a community of faith to anchor them. So in a lot of ways, Woodmont is like that Corinthian church where, where Paul wrote two, maybe three letters. We know about a third. So amazingly gifted this church is to love people in ways that can literally change the culture, that can literally shift the atmosphere of our city as we are purposefully united in showing the love of Jesus. I think we've seen that. So in our scripture this morning from 2 Corinthians, Paul is laying the groundwork for receiving an offering for Christ followers in Jerusalem. And he is in communication with several churches all throughout Greece and Macedonia and Asia Minor. And we don't exactly know what the need is that he's raising money for, but we can imagine 
Because in about 12 years after Paul writes this letter to the Corinthians, the Rome's military will march through Palestine, leaving a wake of destruction and laying waste to Jerusalem and to the temple. So we think Christians would probably be caught up in the middle of that destruction. And it could be that as Paul writes around AD 55, Christians are already being caught up in that political tug of war between the Jews and Rome, and perhaps being viewed with suspicion because they represent like a splinter group from Judaism. So I wish we had more information about what was actually going on. But what we do know is that Paul believes it's important for Christians who have benefited from the faith and mission begun by believers in Jerusalem to respond now in love and to help them in their time of need. And so as he does, he, he reminds the Corinthian Christians of four basic principles. I want to share these with you, of sharing the gifts that they've been given. And in this instance, with those who have shared everything so that the Corinthian Christians might know Christ. So it's as if Paul is saying that because of that grace that you have, because of the grace of Christ, that these people back in Jerusalem, because of their faith and their commitment to your knowing that grace, now they're suffering and it's our time to turn around and return the favor. And so these are all in our scripture this morning that, that, that Jerry read in chapter 9 of 2 Corinthians. And the first principle that Paul lifts up is this. He says, if you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. But if you sow bountifully, you will reap bountifully. So raise your hand if you, went, if you have gone through, walked through Bethlehem. Anybody here have gone through, walked through? A bunch of us have been through, walked through Bethlehem. So my first time ever to see Walk Through Bethlehem was this past December. And one of the things that everyone told me when I first joined the staff was how amazing Walk Through Bethlehem was, that I wouldn't believe my eyes when I saw it, that it would completely blow me away. And I remember watching the leadership team begin preparations this past, this past September, Rich and Beth and Park and Steve and Becky and Jane and a few others. And I began thinking to myself, these people might just be a little fanatical about this thing. <laughs> I remember Rich coming through the staff workroom, his eyes crazed. I call it the middle linebacker look, right? And he had this huge spreadsheet with all of the project areas that were listed on multiple pages. It was like on this, on cardboard, so he could write on it. Each area was color-coded. These people were serious about Walk Through Bethlehem. And so as we moved through November and early December, I began to realize that the reason these people were slightly fanatical was because they had seen the power of an entire church working together so that people we had never met before would experience something eye-opening and transformative and joy-filled for Christmas. And so by the first week of December, I'm pretty sure that many of them were actually living at church to make sure all of those details got covered. And then came the day, then came that Sunday, December the 11th, and as with any show opening, all of us were filled with nervous jitters. And that Sunday, we had over 6,000 people from our community come through, walk through Bethlehem. And hundreds of us were in costume as bread makers and tent makers and soldiers and wise men and entertainers and worship leaders. And then so many prepared food or parked cars 
and made our guest, if you remember, just didn't you have that feeling, that sense, made our guest feel absolutely welcomed and loved by our church. And for me, it's like this perfect example of what it means to so bountifully to dream big and to pour in time and energy in such a way that people feel in a big way they are welcomed and loved. And so a spiritual principle when we give of ourselves and share our gifts is this, when we offer our natural, God adds God's supernatural. And the end result is always more than just the sum of the parts when God adds God's supernatural. If we sow bountifully, we will reap what? Bountifully. You guys are listening, good job. So Paul tells the Corinthians to begin planning for the offering that they're gonna make to the Jerusalem Christians. And he says to them, each of you must give as you have made up your mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And so at Woodmont, I don't know if you guys knew this or not, but our church, gives over $130,000 every year in grants to different organizations in our communities, offering a whole host of touch points, um, not just responding to people in need, but also sowing into developing community assets and strength strategically. And so I sat in a meeting with Rick Clark and his committee last week as they discussed many of the different grants that they were making. And in each instance, they were looking for ways a grant from our church could provide leverage for an organization to, to educate a child, to provide housing for homeless people, to feed the hungry, to provide material resources for people in, in two of Tennessee's most impoverished, impoverished counties, to give morning and after school care for a group of children in Nicaragua. And they have about 40 different organizations that are on that list. And so Rick's philosophy is to to build relationships over time with mission organizations where a little bit can go a long way. And so one of the reasons that we ask people to fill out a pledge card and then we have a commitment Sunday is so that we can be purposeful and strategic as a church on the areas of ministry that we want to grow and expand over the next year. But even as the Corinthian church is being taught to sow bountifully so they can reap bountifully and to be intentional and purposeful in the gifts that they make, Paul wants to offer an important reminder. In fact, it's kind of a foundational reminder, I think. That as we think of all the things that we have, we keep the perspective that all that we have, all that we have is a gift from God. God is our provision which frees us up to be generous with what we've been given. So Paul's way of putting it is this, he says that he who supplies the seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. There's a theme in the Bible that God's desire is to partner with people to build God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we pray in our Lord's Prayer. And so we are always a people on a mission. And while we're gifted in many different ways, and praise God for that, right? That there are so many gifts that God gathers together in one space. We share a common purpose, which is to be together the body of Christ. 
And when we function together as the body of Christ, we began to see some things that we read about in the Gospels when Jesus ministered in the body. Here you go. We began to see people live in hope. We began to see people welcomed and loved inside of community. We began to see that people are prayed for and healing began to happen. We see that needs are met. We see the hungry are fed, wisdom is shared, people lock arms together to live life together, strengthening each other and encouraging each other to press on forward into God's best for their lives. And I think that that is like the best description of what God is calling us to be as a church. I mean, it's definitely what Paul's thinking of when he's casting vision around how he thought the Corinthian Christians could be a blessing to those Christians who were struggling in Jerusalem. And not just their, their spiritual gifts, but also their material gifts were gifts from God to bring the presence of Christ to touch and heal the lives of others. And so that brings Paul then to his final point in the principle of giving that he's making here in this passage in 2 Corinthians. And it's this, that our sharing is also and always in response to the generosity of a God that we can never outgive. So this is what he says. Through the testing of this ministry, you glorify God by your obedience to the confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your sharing with them and all others while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God that he has given to you. He says, thank you, God like almost in big letters with an exclamation point, thank you, God, for that indescribable gift of grace. So we used to sing this song in the church where I grew up, and it was a song, you guys may have seen it, sung it too, and yours, it's called Count Your Blessings. Anybody have to sing Count On Your Blessings? Name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has what? God has done. And I don't know about you, but our family needs a regular dose of counter blessings. It's so easy to get up in the morning and begin reciting. I call it the litany of sorrows in the morning. My body aches, we've got bills due, we haven't been to the grocery store this week, we eat out too much, the dogs have chewed up a pillow. That's actually something that happened last week. The traffic is bad. I mean, I could literally go on and on about the things. We just start lifting up our, our litany of sorrows. And so Susan and, and Neely and I have to catch ourselves when we start down that path. And it's usually Susan who jumps in with the reminder, you know, we've been pretty blessed. It's like, <clears throat> conversation stopper right there. <laughs> in fact, so blessed that there's, there's no better way to describe it than, than what it actually is. A grace from God that we could never deserve. And from the moment we first felt the presence of God in our lives or in our marriage or in our children, our work or our ministry today, all that grace comes together to form a story. And really it comes together to form a testimony of God's goodness in our lives. And so that's what I wanna close with. What you have received from God, your story of grace is a cause for celebration. Your story of grace, your testimony is something to be shared and celebrated. People need to hear 
that God is active and working in other people's lives. And so God, as we said in the communion meditation, has woven us together to be the body of Christ with a story to tell of God's amazing grace. Because all of our talk about giving and sharing gifts isn't just about money and budgets. As important as those things are, it's about what I call one-anothering. Sowing God's favor in and goodness in others so that others can experience the grace that we have known in Christ. And everything, everything that we do as a church, everything we do as a church, everything we do as a church is to open the door for God's spirit to heal and bring wholeness to other people's lives and to help other people to thrive. Everything that we do is to that end. And so we do this in community. We do it together. We bring our gifts. We share our gifts. And we let God multiply those gifts so that people can experience hope in community. And we do this so that the Jesus who has touched our lives with this grace can be made real for other people. I believe that. I believe that people meet Jesus when they meet a community of Jesus followers who are passionately living out of a vision of Christ's presence. I believe when people walk into a community of that, their lives begin to be changed. And we do this as a church together, and we carry together the living presence of Christ. And we carry together his love to a hurting and broken world, a world that's in need of hope and healing. And I believe it starts with a personal commitment that we make to love other people deeply, to, to love others, to come and, and welcome and come alongside others as I acknowledge God's amazing and incredible grace that God has shown me in my own life. And so as you leave this morning, one of the things I want you to, to reflect on is just, sim is just simply this. And maybe this is something that we think about every Sunday when we gather. You know, Andrew leads us in the band. They lead us to music where we proclaim God's goodness. And we believe that God is good. But I want to leave knowing in my heart that I serve a God who, who loves us. I serve a God who wants to bring healing and wholeness to not just my life, but, but to use my life to bring healing and wholeness to the lives of others. I believe that inside of that, I will discover whatever I might call my life's mission and purpose of how God has gifted me, how God has loved me and formed me and shaped me so that I can bring a healing and bring blessing to other people's lives. And that's what we've been created and called together to do as the body of Christ. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we thank you for this place that you have, where you have gathered us together to be the body of Christ, to share our gifts, to um, be a people who live out together uh, the goodness, the mercy, the kindness, the love, and the healing of Jesus. And though sometimes there are Sundays where we just want to come and we want to sit and we want to receive and receive a blessing and just go away um, knowing that we are not alone, God, you always call us to come 
and bring an offering, an offering of presence, an offering of encouragement, an offering, as Andrew said earlier, an offering of wisdom, an offering of just being present to other people in a world who are going through many of the same things that we are and are looking to do so with hope and strength and confidence. So we pray, as we have already sung this morning, come Holy Spirit and descend on us and empower us to bring the living presence of Jesus, we pray. In Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen.